Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. So, coming up in episode 115 of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have news that Marriott Hotels has finally agreed on a penalty for its data breach with the ICO. We then have news that Experian has been served with a GDPR enforcement notice by the ICO here in the UK. And then we travel over to Amsterdam where Uber faces GDPR lawsuit over its robo-firing algorithm. And I'm sure for all of us in the UK we've heard quite enough of algorithms in the last few weeks. But it'll be interesting to see how that case develops. We then return to the UK and to Scotland where the Scottish Ambulance Service has suffered a major data breach. And then we travel across to Sweden where there's been a data breach at Gunnarborn in Gothenburg. Staying in Scandinavia we go to Finland where there's been a data breach at a Finnish psychotherapy clinic. Then travelling right across to the other side of the world, we travel to Australia, where we look at their review of their Australian Privacy Act. We then travel to America, where a law firm engaged by Google has suffered a data breach. And finally, we come back to the UK and ask, are class actions the new legal norm for GDPR compensation cases? So, as usual, a mixed range of articles for you this week. We hope you find the articles useful and informative. Further on in this episode of the show, you will hear about a special episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. It's going to be a live episode, which we're going to bring to you at 2pm on the 17th of November. So please put that date in your diary. It's 2pm GMT. It will be a live show. We'll be taking questions during the show. And specifically, the show will be looking at what changes need to come about for UK companies who have clients in the EU or suppliers in the EU or employees in the EU and also the contra of that so for EU organisations if you have clients, suppliers or staff in the UK what changes you're going to need to make to your GDPR regime from the 1st of January and it's quite a sweeping change and so we're going to discuss that in detail as I say in this special episode of the GDPR Weekly Show which will be on Tuesday the 17th of November at 2pm GMT. The show will be recorded so you can catch it afterwards but we'd urge as many of you as we can to join us live because then you'll have the opportunity to ask questions as the show progresses. The show won't be going out initially in the podcast as this is now but will be a webinar on Zoom and we'll give more details of how to join the webinar in next week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. If you have any feedback on the GDPR Weekly Show we are of course always grateful to receive it please just email feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback and wherever we can, we incorporate your suggestions into future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. But unfortunately, due to the volume of feedback we receive, it's not possible to reply to each single piece of feedback individually. We begin this week with an update on the Marriott Hotels data breach. If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show, you'll remember that we first brought this to you in episode 17 of the GDPR Weekly Show. Since then, the ICO has carried out its investigation into the data breach and was originally minded to levy a penalty of £99 million against the Marriott Hotels Group. However, since then, the COVID-19 pandemic has come along and obviously dramatically changed the landscape in terms of finances in the whole travel and hospitality sector and indeed this was reflected recently when the British Airways fine was reduced from £183 million to 
£20 million. This week it's been announced that after protracted negotiations, the ICO and Merit Hotel Group have reached agreement on a penalty figure of £18.4 million for the major data breach that may have affected up to 339 million guests at the hotel chain. The ICO said names, contact information and passport details may have all been compromised in the cyber attack. The breach included 7 million guest records for people resident in the UK. The ICO said the company failed to put appropriate safeguards in place but acknowledged that it had improved since the data breach had been reported. The first part of the cyber attack happened way back in 2014, affecting the Starwood Hotels Group, which was acquired by Marriott in 2016. But until 2018, when the problem was first noticed, the attackers continued to have access to all the affected systems and data including names, email addresses, phone numbers, passport numbers, arrival and departure information, VIP status and loyalty program numbers. On that basis, the ICO said Marriott had failed to protect personal data as required by GDPR. Speaking about the decision... ICO Commissioner Elizabeth Denham said millions of people's data was affected by Marriott's failure. Thousands contacted their helpline and others may have had to take action to protect their personal data because the company they trusted with it had not kept it securely. Different types of data were exposed for different guests and some of the estimated 339 million may have represented duplicate records for repeat guests, making it that count of people affected impossible. Despite imposing the penalty, the ICO acknowledged that Marriott had acted quickly once it found the flaw and have improved its system since. In a statement, Marriott said that it deeply regrets the incident. Marriott remains committed to the privacy and security of its guests' information and continues to make significant investment in security measures for its systems. The ICO recognises the steps taken by Marriott following discovery of the incident to promptly inform and protect the interests of their guests. Stay home, stay safe. Another long-running investigation took a major step forward this week when the ICO issued an enforcement notice against credit reference agency Experian under Section 149 of the Data Protection Act 2018. The notice requires Experian to make fundamental changes to its offline direct marketing practices and was issued after the ICO undertook a two-year investigation into the use of personal data by data broking businesses Experian, Equifax and TransUnion. The ICO investigation found that all three organisations had used personal data to allow commercial organisations, political parties and charities to prospect for new customers, identify people most likely to be able to afford their goods and services and build profiles about people all without the knowledge of the millions of data subjects, i.e. invisible processing. In experienced case, the ICO has determined that the company's practices infringe the data protection principles under Article 5, specifically the principles of transparency and lawfulness, and the data subject rights under Articles 12 to 22 of the EU General Data Protection Regulation, GDPR. In addition to this, the ICO identified numerous other failings by the three organisations, including the further use of personal data provided for credit references purposes for direct marketing, the use of profiling to generate new information about data subjects, a lack of transparency and the incorrect application of lawful basis for processing. The failings of the organisations are further detailed in the ICO's report into data protection compliance in the direct marketing data broking sector, which was released by the ICO on October the 27th, 2020. While all three organisations have made changes to their marketing practices at the request of the ICO, including in Equifax and TransUnion's case, withdrawing certain products and services from the market, the ICO found that Experian had not gone far enough and did not make the changes requested by the ICO. 
Experian was not willing to provide privacy information to individuals or to stop using credit reference data for direct marketing purposes. The ICO has considered Experian's contraventions of the law to be serious on the basis that Firstly, an extremely large number of data subjects was affected. Secondly, the processing involved profiling and collation of personal data from an array of different sources. And thirdly, the processing was invisible to the data subject and parts of experienced business model depended on such processing being invisible. And fourthly, that there was no public interest in the processing. The ICO also determined that the processing was likely to cause distress to data subjects due to its unexplained nature. So having been served with the notice, Experian now has until July 2021 to implement the changes so that data subjects are informed that it holds their personal data and how it uses or intends to use that data for marketing purposes. Experian is also required to cease using personal data obtained through its credit referencing business for direct marketing purposes by January 2021, since individuals do not have control over whether a data is shared with Experian for credit reference purposes and would not expect such processing to occur. If Experian does not take the required actions by January and July 2021 respectively, then it may be subject to the highest fines available under GDPR, i.e. up to £20 million or 4% of Experian's total annual worldwide turnover. In a statement, Elizabeth Denham, the UK Information Commissioner, said, The data boating sector is a complex ecosystem where information appears to be traded widely without consideration for transparency, giving millions of adults in the UK little or no choice or control over their personal data. The lack of transparency and the lack of lawful basis combined with the intrusive nature of the profiling has resulted in a serious breach of individuals' information rights. Elizabeth Denham also said that she expects other organisations in the data voting sector to make the same commitments as Equifax and TransUnion with regards to putting the legal rights of individuals first. Experian have issued a very brief statement saying that they intend to appeal against the enforcement notice. And so this case rumbles on, and we will of course continue to bring you regular updates on the Experian case in future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. What's up, Mike? I'm fed up. I wish I had a new job. Have you tried Jubal? Jubal.org. We help people find jobs. Great. I'll try it now. To the Netherlands now, and Uber is facing a legal challenge over its automated robo-firing algorithm that allegedly breaches Article 22 of GDPR. The App Drivers and Couriers Union, ACDU, has filed a complaint in Amsterdam District Court where Uber's data resides, representing four former drivers for Uber from London, Birmingham and Lisbon in Portugal. The ACDU said that in each case the drivers were dismissed by Uber after being flagged up for fraudulent activity. The claims, which the drivers deny, have not been reported to police, but Uber deactivated the drivers' accounts. The union also alleged that Uber never gave the drivers access to any of the purported evidence against them, nor does it allow them to challenge or even appeal their terminations. Under the UK State Protection Act 2018, Article 22 GDPR, individuals have the right to certain protections from any automated decisions which create negative effects that are not carried out with meaningful human intervention. Two of the drivers were based in London, one was dismissed after Uber said its system detected irregular trips associated with fraudulent activities. The other was dismissed for the installation of and use of software, which has the intention and effect of manipulating the Uber driver app. Neither driver was given any further explanation or any right of appeal, the ACDU said. Uber has been allowed to violate employment law with impunity for years and now we're seeing a glimpse into an Orwellian world of work where workers have no rights and are managed by machine, said Yassine Aslam, President of the ADCU. If Uber is not checked, this practice will become the norm for everyone. 
The legal challenge comes just a month after Uber won back its London operating licence after proving its system was fit and proper. London-based drivers who are dismissed by Uber are automatically reported to Transport for London, TfL, who may take licensing action against them. However, James Farrer, the ADCU's General Secretary, told the BBC that Uber refused to give additional details to TfL because it would compromise its internal security. Uber provides requested personal data information that individuals are entitled to, said a spokeswoman for Uber. We will give explanations when we cannot provide certain data, such as when it doesn't exist or disclosing it would infringe on the rights of another person under GDPR. We will keep a close eye on this court case and as soon as we have an outcome to report, we will bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. To Scotland now, where the Scottish Ambulance Service has apologised to staff in Murray after a serious data information breach. The Scottish Ambulance Service has launched a detailed investigation into how confidential details of employees were left in a garage in Forres. Moray MP Douglas Ross has raised the issue with Scottish Ambulance Service bosses after being contacted by a whistleblowing member of staff. It is claimed documents containing personal information about employees were allegedly removed from a file within a local manager's office. Mr Ross was told that the notes were read by members of the staff and then discarded into a cardboard box and placed into a storeroom. It is claimed the box was later transferred to the Scottish Ambulance Service base in Forest and left in a Scottish Ambulance Service garage where workers were again able to view the documents. Mr Ross said, This appears to be a serious breach of GDPR on the safe storage of sensitive and confidential material. It is very concerning to me that this has happened within what should be secure areas of Scottish Ambulance Service premises in Murray. The fact that these documents seem to have been passed around from the staff is worrying. I've made clear in my communication with the Scottish Ambulance Service that instances like this can be very damaging for staff morale. Staff confidence in the ability of the Scottish Ambulance Service to securely store confidential material will also be seriously undermined. The Scottish Ambulance Service is, however, taking this seriously and a full and detailed investigation is now underway. A spokesman for the Scottish Ambulance Service said... Our information governance team were alerted to an incident involving personal information of staff which was discovered on a secure ambulance service premises. There is no evidence that these files have been accessed by anyone outside the ambulance service and the files have since been moved to a secure location. A detailed investigation is ongoing and in line with legal obligations, Scottish Ambulance Service has also notified the Information Commissioner's Office who are reviewing the incident. Scottish Ambulance Service has informed the employees who information is involved, have apologised and are providing ongoing support. We will be reviewing all learnings from this full investigation and will implement any actions identified. Following the reporting of the incident, the files will be moved to a secure location. The spokesman went on to say, Our data protection officer spent two days in the station concerned, speaking to the staff, talking to them about the process and progress of the investigation, providing reassurance and offering them support. Local management teams are continuing their support and our data protection team are keeping in close contact with all staff to keep them informed as the investigation progresses. We will be reviewing all learnings from this investigation and will implement any actions identified. A spokesperson for the ICO said we have received a data breach report from the Scottish Ambulance Service and we are making inquiries. Again, when we have any update either from the Scottish Ambulance Service or the Information Commissioner's Office, we will bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. What this data breach does illustrate once again is that GDPR isn't just about data that's held on computers. GDPR is about data that's held on paper too and so you must make sure that your GDPR policies not only include data held on electronic devices but also data held on physical paper documents and making sure that you keep them securely and you follow all the same rules as you would as if they were electronic documents. 
If you need any help on your procedures for the storage of manual documents, please don't hesitate to contact us. Just drop us an email to helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com and one of our specialists will provide the support you require. Important. If you have customers, staff or suppliers in the EU, GDPR is changing from 1st of January. To find out more, listen to our special live edition of the show on 17th November at 2pm GMT. To Sweden now, where a data breach has leaked thousands of sensitive documents, including the blueprints of bank vaults after a cyber attack. Janibo, based in Gothenburg, specialises in enhanced security for buildings, such as fire safety measures and security doors. Around 38,000 files have been publicly exposed this week as a result of a well-organised cyber attack which happened back in August. According to Swedish media, data including drawings of bank vaults, monitoring and alarm equipment and security functions for ATMs was all available to download. Other sensitive documents include information from the Riksdag, the Supreme Decision-Making Body of Sweden, and classified drawings of the Swedish tax agency's office in Sundiburg. The incident was reported to the Swedish security police, SAPO, back in August. Stefan Siren, president and CEO at Denebo, said, We can only speculate about the purpose of the attack, but as we cannot rule out that it was an attempt at industrial espionage, it has been important to follow the regulations and we've therefore decided to inform SAPO. The company employed IT specialists to shut down the service to isolate the attack. It also took steps to improve its security regime. Stefan Siren said security always comes first for Denebo and as direct consequence of the incident we have therefore decided to shed light on our IT structure which is a time-consuming but important job. Denebo said at the time that there had been minimal disruption to its operation. Remaining in Scandinavia, many patients of a large psychotherapy clinic in Finland have been contacted individually by a blackmailer after their data was stolen. The data appears to have included personal identification records and notes about what was discussed in therapy sessions. Vastamo is a nationwide practice with about 20 branches across Finland and thousands of patients. The clinic has advised those affected to contact the police. It said it believed the data had been stolen in November 2018 with a further potential breach in March 2019. Vastamo said in a statement that it was cooperating with the police. About 300 records have already been published on the dark web according to the Associated Press News Agency. On its website, the clinic calls the attack a great crisis. The clinic has set up a helpline and is offering all victims one free therapy session, the details of which will not be recorded. The Finnish government held an emergency meeting on Sunday night with Interior Minister Maria Araisalo calling the situation exceptional. Yeah, who asked for his surname not to be published, said someone calling themselves a ransom guy had told him Vastamo had refused to pay a ransom of 40 Bitcoin, roughly £400,000. He would now have to pay €200 in Bitcoin. After 24 hours, the ransom would rise to €500, and after 72 hours, data from the sessions he had as a teenager would be published. I'm anxious about the fact that these attackers are in possession of my notes and conversations from my psychiatrist sessions, Cher said. These notes contain things I'm not ready to share with the world and having someone threaten me with said notes certainly makes me extremely uncomfortable. His therapist had taken the notes in a physical notebook, he said, but he had not been told they'd been uploaded to a computer server. Zaire said he could not afford the ransom, adding, I feel like paying won't guarantee my data will remain safe. Help! 
help! I love this show, but I've got GDPR questions and don't know what to do! It's simple. Just follow the instructions coming up and the guys at GDPR Weekly Show will help within 24 hours. All you need to do is email helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com with the details of your GDPR issue and one of our specialists will get straight back to you. Bye kids! Thanks Mike! To Australia now, when on Friday, Attorney General Christian Porter announced the terms of reference and issues paper that his department will use as a basis for its review of the Australian Privacy Act. The wide-ranging review will consider the definition of personal information, whether existing exemptions for small businesses, political parties and the storing of employee records to comply with the Act should remain, whether individuals should gain the power to drag privacy violators to court and whether a privacy tort should be created. The review was agreed to as part of the Commonwealth's response to the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission's Digital Platforms Inquiry. The review, which has posted some 67 questions for submissions to respond to, has asked whether the definition of personal information should be extended to inferred personal information, as well as whether additional protections should be extended to de-identified, anonymised and pseudonymised information. Of particular interest in the paper was the failure of Australian privacy laws to be compatible with those in Europe, especially GDPR, with exemptions created in Australian law two decades ago being a roadblock. The Australian Law Reform Commission, ALRC, noted that no other compatible jurisdiction, the United Kingdom, New Zealand, Canada and the European Union, exempts small business from general privacy law, the paper said. The Senate Committee inquiry further recommended the removal of the exemption, given the privacy regimes in overseas jurisdictions have operated eff- effectively without a small business exemption, and that the existence of this exemption was one of the key outstanding issues preventing Australia from seeking adequacy within the EU. And of course, this comes back to something we discussed a few weeks ago with the UK also potentially failing to be an adequate country under the rules of GDPR once we leave the EU totally on the 31st of December 2020. The ARC also noted that the United Kingdom does not exempt employee records from their privacy law. But on the flip side, the paper points out that UK and Germany were in Australia's top two 15 trading partners, while other economies around the Asia-Pacific made up 72% of trade. The EU only accounted for 13.5%. As less trade is undertaken with the EU than within the APEC region, the government's recent priority has been to ensure adequate privacy protections within and between APEC economies, the AGD said. Requiring businesses to comply with different information handling requirements under the Act and GDPR could result in a regulatory landscape that is overly complex. On the other hand, compliance with GDPR may give business a competitive advantage in engendering consumer trust. Currently in Australia, if a business has revenue under $3 million Australian dollars, is exempt from the Privacy Act, and the paper wrestles with the idea that whether a threshold should remain, and if so, what should be in place, since businesses under that threshold could handle sensitive personal information, yet maintaining the threshold could increase compliance costs for those small businesses. The paper raises the prospect of requiring organisations requesting personal data to implement defaults to make collection of information opt-in. It also asks whether individuals should be made to consent for each purpose and time their information is collected, and whether the core concept of consent was effective. The paper also asked whether there should be higher requirements to destroy or de-identify personal information that is held by organisations, and whether Australia should have a right to erasure, which would bring it into line with GDPR's right to be forgotten. 
the potential of handing Australians the power to initiate tort action to seek compensation from privacy breaches was also raised. Australians currently can only directly apply for an injunction and questions on how to stop the torts being filled with actions over trivial breaches such as funneling complaints via the Office of the Information Commissioner for Conciliation or capping damages is also being asked in the consultation. The paper also discusses whether the idea of a statutory tort of privacy was needed with the ADD saying it would allow for privacy breaches not covered by the Privacy Act to be taught, but also that a recent criminal legislation may lower the need for such a tort. A key issue for the design of a statutory tort of privacy is the types of liability it would cover. That is liability based on intention, liability based on negligence or strict liability, the ADD said. The ALRC recommended that the statutory tort should be confined to intentional or reckless invasions of privacy and should not extend to negligent invasions of privacy or attract strict liability. However, it is questionable that an invasion of privacy due to gross negligence, where a person may not have been reckless but failed to exercise even the slightest degree of care and diligence in relation to obvious risk, should be outside the scope. The terms of reference also state the review would not look into any changes to the Privacy Act that were made to cater for the government's COVID Safe app, nor recent changes made to credit reporting. Submissions to review have a deadline of November 29th this year, with a discussion paper set to appear early in 2021. A date for the final report has not yet been specified. We will, of course, keep an eye on the progress of this consultation in Australia and whether it will become the case that Australia becomes an adequate country as far as the GDPR rules in the EU are concerned, which would, of course, bring it in line with New Zealand. Important. If you have customers, staff or suppliers in the EU, GDPR is changing from 1st of January. To find out more, listen to our special live edition of the show on 17th November at 2pm GMT. To America now, and Google has found itself with a problem when a major immigration law firm responsible for screening Google's recruits from outside the US has confirmed that it suffered a data breach that exposed the personal details of an untold number of Google's current and former employees. The firm, Fragman, Dowie, Bernstein and Lowy, was one of the parties responsible for verifying these employees' Form I-9 files, which Google, along with every other company operating in the US, is required to fill for every new employee they hire in order to ensure that they can legally work in the country. Generally, these files contain a ton of sensitive and personally identifiable details on the worker in question, like their passports, their driver's license or birth certificates, which can all be put to misuse by bad actors. Details of the breach are sparse, although a notice first sent out to the affected Google employees and later filed with the California Attorney General's Office explains that an unidentified third party was first caught snooping through a particular file that has personal information related to the I-9 forms for a limited number of current and former Google employees. The firm declined to name the total number of Googlers affected by the breach, nor did it mention if only files pertaining to Google's records were hit. That said, it's worth noting that the sample breach notifications, like the one filed by Fragman, are required under California law when more than 500 of the state's residents have their details swept up as a result of a single data breach. If we hear any more on this from Google, we will of course bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. One of the unintended consequences of GDPR, and certainly one that's causing concern, is the growing number of legal class actions which the implementation of GDPR has brought about. 
if we just take this last week as an example, on Monday, the European Court of Justice approved a request for a preliminary ruling from the German Supreme Court to clarify whether competitors and not-for-profit organisations are entitled to bring proceedings irrespective of the infringement of data subjects' rights and without receiving a mandate from the data subjects. In other words, if we took the case we mentioned earlier about the driver's union taking Uber to court, would they be able to bring a separate action on their own without consent from the driver's concern? Likewise, on Tuesday, as we mentioned, the driver's union launched a crowd-funded lawsuit against Uber, alleging that the rideshare firm uses automatic algorithms to deactivate drivers, bringing a class action this time under GDPR Article 22. When GDPR was first envisaged, lawyers were wary of this potential for class action, but they were assured by regulators that it would never really happen. And yet, Article 81 of the GDPR allows data subjects to mandate a not-for-profit or similar organisation to come together and bring actions on their behalf in what is known as the opt-in model. The opt-out model in Article 82 allows these organisations, if permitted by member state law, to bring actions on behalf of data subjects without having obtained a mandate to do so, albeit claims for money are not allowed under that clause. So, Are these two cases the start of a major legal battlefield? It's a bit hard to tell, but we are, of course, aware here in the UK of legal class actions coming against such organisations as British Airways and no doubt now Marriott Hotels. So it's a whole realm which we watch with interest and we will continue to bring you updates on via our future episodes of the GDPR Weekly Show. Stay home, stay safe. So that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. I hope you found it useful. I hope you found it entertaining. Please do let me know. Let me have your feedback by sending an email to podcast.insurity.co.uk. You can find out more about us at Insurity at www.insurity.co.uk. And I look forward to speaking to you again, same time, same place, next week. Have a good week, everybody, and remember to keep your data safe. And cut. That's a wrap. The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurity production. Follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com insurity. Until next time, bye-bye.